Welcome to the UFTA Podcast. Hosted by Emily O'Connor and Jordan Rudolph. The UFTA Podcast brings you a surprisingly fresh take on everyday topics in health, fitness, and everything in between. We want to open the door to explore new information and new solutions in a way that's easy for you to understand and apply to your own life. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 8 of the UFTA Podcast. I'm Jordan Rudolph, and as always, joined by Coach Extraordinaire, Coach Emily O'Connor. Emily, how are we doing on a Monday, Halloween Monday? Yes, Halloween Monday. I am pretty good. Uh, I know we were chatting a little bit before this, but I had one of my very good friend's weddings this weekend in Chicago, and though a fun time, perhaps uh, eating appetizers and drinking French 75s, does not set you up for a great workout on a Monday. So, struggling a little bit with my run, but other than that, you know, going well. What I told her is that she's got the only body in the world that struggles with drinking copious amounts of alcohol and eating appetizers from all different ends of the food spectrum, um, especially foods that we don't eat often, and then struggling the next day, two or three following that. Like, everybody else can just bounce right back and go right to it. So, Sorry, Em. Yeah, it's really, it's a tough life that mini beef wellingtons and, you know, coconut dusted shrimp just don't really set you up, but they were top tier delicious. And Sounds expensive too. It was probably, yeah, it was probably one of the best, I had salmon, it was probably one of the, the top meals I've had in my wow. life, so wow. well worth it, uh, just a few days of a lot of water and maybe a fresh vegetable. Yes. Yes. A fresh one. Yes. Uh, remind me again what a French 75 is. I know I've had one. I know I've heard of it. What is it yes. again? Yes. It is gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, and then they chill it, and then they top it with Prosecco. Okay. So, you know, my type of drink. Very efficient. Yeah. Minimal non-alcoholic mixers. Clear. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so... Delicious. Uh, however, it really just tastes like a lemony prosecco. Mm-hmm. You kind of forget about the whole shot of gin that's in there, mm-hmm. um, which never bodes well. For what kind of gin are you? What kind of gin girl are you? Um, I don't really have a preference. I don't usually drink French seventy five. To be honest, it was just her drink that she had. I don't even know what they used in it. Mm. Mandy's so. listening right now. She might be judging. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I did. I didn't really ask. It was just delicious. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I remember it being good. I think they have a whole line of different drinks that are for that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of bodies being able to handle uh, copious amounts of alcohol and great food and everything else and functioning like a million bucks the next day, let's just segue right that in right into our yeah. segue that right into our topic of load versus capacity. capacity and. This topic is something that we've posted on recently on our social media pages. We are talking more about it in our emails, and we are having more conversations about it with our members. Mm -hmm. And it's a topic that isn't necessarily new to us, but when we can do it from a graph standpoint and make it about the person and their life, it makes more sense because it is uniquely uh, for that person. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everybody because it is unique. And when we look at it from this standpoint, it makes a lot of freaking sense. A lot of sense. And I think that's where it can resonate so well with people to see it in that graph standpoint. Is like they can visually see all the boxes that they have within their personal capacity. And we'll touch on some of this, like what this all means in a moment. 
but you can when you can visually see it, you can better understand and then apply any changes, differences, etc. that you might need to in order to influence your own load versus your own capacity. Mm-hmm. And if you are listening to this, if you have a uh like if you're struggling with what this concept means or looks like when we describe it here in the podcast, in the comments section or in the about this podcast section, there's a link that will show you. And also follow us on social media if you haven't yet, because we have it on there too. But it'll show you an example of what we're going over today. Uh, this will be kind of like a visualization podcast for a lot of people. They mm-hmm. have to, and hopefully we'll do a good job of describing it so that they can understand it. But it is something that you need to kind of uh, visualize what we're talking about and, and then if you, if you can't or if we struggle with it or if you struggle with it click on that link in the comments section of this or the uh, the about section of this podcast episode and you'll find more there but you'll you'll also notice that we do not have a special guest on today it's just Emily and I as well so it'll just go right into this load capacity thing and, and mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about that because it's valuable that valuable that we want to have this episode completely devoted to it mm-hmm. so when it comes to load versus capacity, uh, whenever you compare anything like that, you can create a, a graph, you can create a chart, you can create a curve. The XY graph is essentially, or YX axis, XY graph, whatever. Just a simple graph, a 2D graph is what we're looking at. On the Y axis, which is this line that's straight up and down, is the load. load. And then the X axis, which is the horizontal, the cross, left to right, or a cross line is capacity and everyone has their own unique stuff that's going on with their life and that is considered your load so all of the things that you have and we're going to describe what some of those things are and then the capacity is basically what you're able to handle and when you go over that capacity line you're going to put yourself into trouble that's where the problems happen that's where injuries happen that's where uh, bad stuff happens like freak of nature type of stuff or totally came out of nowhere type of stuff because we've spent too much time there. So what we want to do is describe what this graph is, this load versus capacity graph is, give you some insight of how we use it, and then show how you and, and give you some insight of how you can make sure you can do it better because we can decrease the load while still making you be able to do more if certain things are taken care of. And if the load is too much, we can take things away to make it more balanced. And through all of that, if we do it right, we can also increase your capacity. So we want to help you do that because this is where results happen and this is where you avoid bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I say that right all the I way so it, far? Yeah, I think that about sums it up. I think in very simplistic terms, we can think of capacity as the total amount of things that we're able to handle on a daily basis. And the load is just what those things are. So when we're thinking of load, um, some of the things that are included, and we'll go back and define some of these, but we have like our anatomical dysfunctions, our anatomy, right, that relatively we can't change nor do we have influence over. We have things like our work and home life. We have things such as our functional diagnosis, which we'll kind of come back to. But those boxes can ebb and flow and change in dimension. There can be more load required if there's a family emergency our family box might get a little bit bigger underneath that capacity line it might take up more of that total piece of the pie if you will that we have to offer 
as opposed to if things are relatively smooth, low stress at work, those boxes might be relatively small and we might have room to take up a little bit more space in our workouts, right? Our workouts can get a little bit more intense. They can get a little bit more uh, in length and duration or maybe that's when we try something new, right? But overall, we need to learn what these things are so that we can balance them underneath our capacity. Like Jordan was talking about, if we think we can take on everything at 100% effort all of the time, that's where we may come over that capacity line and truly run into problems. And like Jordan said, that's usually where that freak of injury stuff kind of happens, um, where that may occur. So kind of to backtrack talking on, let's focus on load specifically for now and thinking about, let's define some of the terms that I briefly used uh, there in talking about what those boxes might be. So we can, if you're looking at the graphic, we can think of the boxes, like there's just this huge stack of boxes, one on top of the other, and our base to that is what we would call anatomical dysfunction. So that would be anything that you are born with that influences your ability to move or stresses your body in some sort of way. So that can be things like your bone structure. If you have some sort of genetic, you know, uh, abnormality, that would fall under that category. But the big thing in our anatomical dysfunction category is that they are things that we cannot change. So regardless of our influence, we cannot change whatever falls under that anatomical dysfunction box. One of the examples, just really quickly going in here, we're, we, we all have some that are a little bit different. There's hip angles and everything else, but just a quick example, there's like three different known and confirmed and scientifically based types of hips out there. Mm -hmm. And some hips are better for squatting, some hips are better for deadlifting, some hips are actually not good for either. Um, and it's all how the bone, the femur, kind of fits into the pelvis and the way the pelvis is sitting in terms of width and the size and, and everything else there. The acentabulum joint is essentially what we're looking at here and how it can kind of fit in the socket. So uh, there's certain things like that, or if you are more maybe predisposed to having certain things in the family, uh, bloodline genetics, hereditary stuff, that happens through anatomically stuff, anatomical stuff, like maybe there's some different stuff that happens in your spine or your joints. Um, if like there, there, there's boatloads. What other examples are there? There's those are the big ones. I mean, it's going to be anything that the big thing is like you don't have control over it. So if yes. you have a genetic predisposition to a deterioration of your spine or right. bone osteoporosis, osteopenia, like deterioration of your bones. Right, we have very minimal influence on the genetic role that this may play and it's that genetic role we are talking about. Yeah, so obviously you can do stuff to help with some of those in terms mm -hmm. of exercises and diet and, and, and lifestyle choices, but the anatomical stuff Emily might have said it best is we can't do anything about it. So if we look at this box and it's, and, and it's a box that we kind of see, it's never going to change, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you get knee replacements or hip replacements, we just kind of consider this box as it's still there. It's still a box that we don't have any influence on. We can't make, if we look at it on a graph, we can't make this, this box necessarily smaller or bigger. It's just going to stay constant all the way through. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Now, where we do have control over from our workout and movement side is what we would call our functional diagnosis. So this takes the form of how does your body move within those roles, within those genetic kind of constraints that we may have. So does your hip, though it might not be like my hip and Jordan's hip are not the same, but do my they... left and right hip are not the same. Yeah, mine neither, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, I think both of our hips act like hips, right? If we are movement screening them, they both act like hips. We don't let the knees be our hips and vice versa. So in our now functional diagnosis, that box is all of those things that we do have the ability to control as it relates to our movement. So are we lacking mobility? Are we lacking lacking flexibility? Are we lacking strength or motor control or stability, right? Those are all playing a different role and that's where we do have the ability to control the outcome of that specific box. And we, what we do here is we take everybody when they start with us, they go through like a 30 point movement screen. I mean, we check everything. First we check to see if there's any pain with movement and then we check to see how your joints are moving, including soft tissue stuff. And then we get to use that to help you move better. So we take that information, your current functional diagnosis, and what happens is if you struggle with certain movements or if you struggle moving and this movement requires a lot of work, a lot of capacity of your daily energy, if you will, to do this stuff, it's kind of consuming more of your life than it should. So what we aim to do is help you move better and have better control and understanding of your body, educate and, and knowledge uh, so that you can have control over it um, and the action steps with it so that it doesn't have to be as much of a burden on your overall daily stuff. So if we look at this from, a, from an analysis, what we do is we try to shrink that functional diagnosis box so it doesn't take up as much of your overall capacity so that you can save it for other things that matter more. If we can get you moving better, you will be able to be more functional and do things better and be able to handle things better, including when things get busy or stress. Our whole goal is to help your body move better. That is the number one goal of us in here because we know how impactful that is going forward through everything else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you are saying, when you move better, it affects other areas of your life and other areas in which, to kind of segue into our next box, we do have control over, and you touched on it a little bit, Um, And that is our sleep, nutrition, and stress, kind of like those lifestyle habits, if you will, also take up a box underneath our capacity. So what is our stress management? What is our average level of stress? How is our nutrition and dietary intake? How is our sleep quality uh, in addition to quantity? That also takes part of that. And we could say that that could be labeled on a box like SNR, Mm -hmm. um, sleep, nutrition, stress. Um, SNS. Um, we just kind of, we can also just call it like a recovery box because mm-hmm. those things are all the three things that we need for recovery. So just think if this box is taller and takes up more space going up the vertical axis towards your capacity because we're measuring load here. Uh, if this takes up more space, the more we continue, continue to stack onto that, the closer we get to your capacity. So a bigger box, a bigger the box is not a better thing. So we want to try to keep these boxes small so that you can keep taking on more and more things and not have to worry about uh, everything else with it. Um, again, hopefully that makes sense. We're kind of working with what we got here, but this is a topic that we couldn't not, not talk about. So mm-hmm. 
um, here we are. Yep. And uh, yeah, so sleep, nutrition, stress. Yep. Uh, can encompass SNS uh, or recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all all those things right there that Emily was talking about. If it's if they're good, box is smaller. If they're all three not good, box is enormous, taking up more space than it should. So our goal is to work on you with these things so that they become smaller so you can handle more. Mm-hmm. Right? I just want to make sure that from a graphical standpoint that makes sense. We're under, yeah, we're getting kind of where we're going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, our, before we even now, I mean, kind of important to know, and you might have realized this already, but we haven't even gotten to <laughs> a workout side of anything, right? Mm-hmm. So to, to our listeners, um, we also have couple more boxes before we get to that point and that is kind of that work slash home life uh factors if you will now i know we have quite a few members here that are retired and work might not play a huge role in their life anymore uh so work slash home life might be a little bit different um, but that would be the amount of energy time etc that you have to devote the amount of yourself you have to give to both your family and kind of your job, your work. Um, so again, like Jordan was saying, if those are everything's fine, all good, kind of normal routines, those boxes might be quite small. But if we have a family emergency, we have a deadline at work, a big project to do, etc., uh, those boxes might become quite large and take a significantly larger portion of that space under our capacity. And this is what I want you to understand when listening about that, because this is this is where I usually dive in, because I think when somebody starts here and they're working through it with us here at the programs, I have confidence in what we can do in our abilities as a coach to design the best program for you uh, to an extent. And I know we can't do anything about the anatomy. And then I'm also assuming that you are doing your best job of taking advantage of sleep, nutrition, and recovery as you are expected to if you're working with us to an extent. So when it comes down to somebody who's having a tough time at home with either their parents, um, as in like your mom or dad, like you have to take care of them in some sort of capacity because they are now dependent on you. Or if you have kids and you're taking care of them and there's something that happened, like they went through a major incident at school or, or, or injury or something that's happening, that affects you. That, that makes this work life, home life get bigger. Uh, takes up more space so it, it takes away from your capacity to do things and from the work projects and certain weeks are stressful than others certain days are more stressful than others that means that certain weeks are easier and certain days are easier right that that all goes hand in hand but what happens is when we start stacking these things on like Emily's going to go into next when you have a lot of this stress that kind of builds up or a lot of this home life work life stuff that takes over more of your capacity the more you keep stacking on it, the more that puts you into this realm of like the problem area. It, it puts you above the capacity line, which is where problems happen. Mm-hmm. So when stuff like that is happening, and as we view as a professional coach of what we handle here at Unity Fitness and how we view this and how we can help with this, we're not trying to change how you act with what's going on with your parents or your kids or your significant other. We're not trying to say you should get a different job. What we're trying to say is, hey, let's make your workouts maybe a little bit differently today so that we don't do you a disservice by making you go over the edge and have something bad or worse happen. So that's that's when we're trying to modify. We understand where you're at. Sometimes a good workout and lifting up some heavy things is good, but there's also a point of how good that can be, and there's a threshold that we have to make sure that we cover and don't go over. 
So if you do something in here and all of a sudden you wake up the next day and your low back hurts and your hips sore, like some of that just might have been like your body was fighting some pretty intense stuff in its overall daily life and we just put it over the edge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be a really powerful recognition and I've had that exact conversation nearly to the point with someone previously and her home life was stressful and she did one rep of a deadlift and she was like I don't know these just don't feel right today and I knew kind of what was happening I was like you know what maybe just for today let's just not do them it's just a today thing right we just don't do those we come down a little bit and wait maybe let's grab a kettlebell a sandbag something you feel good about that you don't feel like that low back is going to get involved in our deadlifts and that was a huge kind of win long term but also recognizing she knew that like hey I understand where my load is right now and where my capacity is that as we layer on to continue on our stack our workouts on top of that it might just not I don't have that space between the top of my work slash home life and where my capacity lies to fit in my normal workout so that kind of segues nicely into that final box, which would be our workout. And we can list those out exercise by exercise, right? Like our uh, core section might take up a smaller box than perhaps a deadlift or another heavy compound movement. But we stack those box by box and by the time we get to the end of our workout, we want to still be below that capacity line. We might be close to that capacity line, But overall, we want to be below that capacity line. If we get in a situation where work is stressful, those boxes underneath become bigger, right? And oftentimes it may even do it without us realizing it. But when we can step back and realize it, that's most important. But when all of those boxes are bigger, we have less space. We come in to do a normal workout And we're like, yeah, I think I'm fine. All is good. Oh, yeah, that stress doesn't really matter. We don't really put too much stock into it. That's where we can get above that capacity line. And like Jordan was saying right when we started this podcast, that's where problems can occur. Those freak injuries happen and, oh, but it was the kettlebell swings. Um, But without realizing like, okay, what all went into why the kettlebell swings weren't feeling great that day? Mm -hmm. What else happened before that super important concept to think about there because it's it's rarely ever the gym thing and and this is i'm speaking on behalf of unity fitness and under my watch that i've been doing this for 11 years now it's rarely ever something that happens at a gym in front of me or in front of our coaches here that gets you hurt it's what kind of that what everything else came before that and what's going on right now two examples i want to kind of throw in here really quick And one of them might have been an analogy thing that we should have started with right away. This graphical thing, if you haven't looked it up already, might be hard to understand the X, Y axis in the graph. So sometimes it's very nice to think about as uh, a cup of water filling up with, or a cup of a glass filling up with water. Mm -hmm. So if we have a regular standard glass, we'll just call it a pint glass. Who doesn't like a pint glass? And we fill up four ounces of it as your anatomical dysfunction, your anatomical body, how your body's made. And then we say your functional diagnosis is two ounces, your recovery stuff is two ounces, right? So that's already eight ounces done. So we have four ounces left or eight ounces left. Um, If 
work and home life are four ounces or two ounces each to take up a total of four ounces. Now we have four ounces left and then we start stacking in all of these exercise things and all these extracurricular activities that might be a half an ounce or an ounce or whatever else. Anything that gets up to that 16 ounce line, just call this for right now your capacity line, will start overflowing. And that essentially, just think of that if like the water's overflowing out of the cup, that is over capacity. Mm -hmm. What we want to try to do is make your pint glass now a, uh, a quart glass, which is bigger, right? No, a quart's bigger. Am I saying that right? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. I'll so let, we're trying to make your pint I'll glass. I'll cut in. I'll cut in with the correct measurements. We're, we're trying, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to make your pint glass a growler. No, a crowler. A crowler. A crowler, which is a little bit bigger than a pint glass. I My measurements go by 12 ounces, 16 ounces, crowlers, and growlers. Those are beer sizes at breweries. If you guys have never been to a brewery yet, shame on you if you haven't. Turtle Stack Brewery is the first one that you should go to. That's all I'll say about beer. Aside from a crowler is the next one, which is almost like almost two pints, I think. Mm -hmm. And then a growler is like two crowlers. Okay, so we're getting closer to 64 ounces, I think, now with that one. So that, that's where we are trying to build a bigger glass for you, a bigger capacity to hold on to more liquid. We don't want to just keep pouring over the liquid. In this circumstance, if we keep going overflowing, we can't build your capacity. How we build it is staying just underneath it and making sure we can kind of train in that area and get bigger that way because you learn, your body learns how to recover better. If we go overflow, if we go over capacity line, body doesn't recover well. That's what I want you to understand. Even if our recovery boxes are sleep, nutrition, and stress, are essentially good and we're working on those things if there's a lot of us to other stuff going on and we're still overflowing we're still overflowing that's that's what I want you to make sure you understand so when we then add the kettlebell swing at mm -hmm. part of the workout or we add the heavy deadlift and now all of a sudden now you're sore now something happens it's probably not the kettlebell swing or the deadlift that you've done a thousand times up to that point it's because of everything else going on right that's that's what I want to make sure is like clear in this analogy and everything else Definitely, definitely. And that's like nine, I would say, majority of the time that is kind of what happens, right? We don't really realize all the things that are going on and what's happening. And then all of a sudden we do it and often that blame gets misplaced onto like, oh, it's the kettlebell swing that hurt me. The gym hurt me. It wasn't yes. anything going on with my life and right. all the stress that I have going on in here right. is the gym. Right. And that's where, again at least speaking from a unity fitness standpoint, we can most confidently say that there likely was another factor, but it's tough to be able to, when you don't understand this load versus capacity, take a step back and say, okay, what else went into my day that mm -hmm. could have contributed to that? Mm -hmm. And there's also, I, I'm scooching away from the mic because I think I was really, really close for a while there. Um, so hopefully we're still good, but this is where... Um, that standpoint of also all the stuff going on outside in your life and then going to the gym like could be also going over your stress line, your mm -hmm. capacity line. It could, could be too much. I appreciate the people that make those calls. I also view it like this. And again, this is how I would view it. Um, we would rather see you than not see you, even though there might be a lot of stuff going on. We can always modify mm -hmm. and we can always create something on the fly pretty quickly as coaches here and, and everything that we have experience for. And we would understand that you're coming in with a, a lot of stress, a lot of stuff coming at you. So the last thing we would want to do is push you over that line. But sometimes maybe coming in and going through some mobility drills, going through a little bit of core work, going through a little bit of movement, maybe hitting a, a rep or two here or there of some exercise or a set of two here or there of some exercise. 
might be that hour away or less of whatever's happening outside of our doors or the real world, that would be exactly what you need to kind of go back into it with a fresh mind and tackle it because mm-hmm. you just got an hour of like not thinking about it when you came inside these doors. Again, I appreciate both ways. I appreciate when someone's like, hey, I'm having a shit day. Like, I just can't make it in. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'd really see her. Like, hey, I'm not feeling, I'm, my body's, my knee hurts today. I'm not coming in. Um, I would rather be like, you know what, let's come in and see if we can work around it. But also, like, let's see if, if, if we can help the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also know enough, too, whoever's listening to this, too. Like, we can't diagnose here. We are personal trainers. We are fitness coaches. We are uh, legally, uh, we know where, where the line is drawn. If it's something that we then feel is above our jurisdiction or pay grade, if you will, we refer out. But at least we know that the person's on the right track rather than kind of sitting in their own world and maybe thinking about it a lot. That's, mm-hmm. that's We're just trying to help. Right. And I think that's where reframing those workouts to be like, okay, instead of adding something to my load for the day, maybe I make, and it might not change that day, but maybe framing it to like, hey, I'm going to focus on today shrinking that functional diagnosis box or... I'm going to use today as, hey, I'm going to relieve some stress by taking that hour away from all the things that are stressing me and kind of looking at both of those reframes as like can still make progress, but instead of making progress in adding to our capacity, making progress in taking a step forward to decrease our overall load. A quart is 32 ounces, by the way. I looked it up. <laughs> I had to. That's good. My rabbit mind was already going there. I'm like, ah. So it's about the size of a crawler. Yeah. Um. So we now hopefully we under uh, like your your load um, is what the water that goes into the glass mm-hmm. or what's building up into the graph upward, and then the uh, the glass itself is your capacity at the time. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to give you a bigger capacity. Again. There are some stuff that we do not have control over, you do not have control over to an extent. And we are usually not here saying, oh gosh, your, your job sounds stressful, you should quit. Even though that might have come out of my mouth a few times with people Mostly, in the past. procedurally. Mostly. And, uh, oh gosh, your son sounds terrible, you should know, I'm just kidding about that one. Uh, I've never said that. Uh, but if they're like we, we understand our lines of like the home and the work stuff. We, we don't get in the lines of that. What we try to do is handle what we can handle. Mm-hmm. Can we help you out with your functional diagnosis? Can we help you out with your your recovery chart, your stress, nutrition, and and sleep, um, which are all heavily related and, and probably the biggest player, I would say, in this graph. Like that that can mm-hmm. go from like if if you will, covering like two ounces to ten ounces really quick. Really quick. Like Emily this weekend went from one ounce to ten ounces really quick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is a, a true, a true story. And she doesn't do that very often, usually like once every few days. So this one was just like a double that. So it got, I right. mean, she got out of hand, she got out of control and this is now what she has to deal with. And right. Yeah. So she put herself back down to like a 12 ounce, 12 ounce glass, <laughs> but that's for today. She understands that she took advantage of it on her run. Yep. She still got movement in. She'll sleep better tonight. She'll have a fresh vegetable. And then she'll be back and minimum, ready to go tomorrow. Minimum one. Yeah, minimum one. <laughs> so there, there, there's listening to the body and kind of understanding this, and that's why we're talking about it today. We want you to understand this load for capacity. So how do we build capacity? I think that's the thing we got to leave them with. How do we yeah. actually take them from the from the pint to the crawler? Right. So when we think of all the things that kind of contribute to our load, we can target then building that capacity by 
slowly following a smartly designed training program in order to target that specific area. So we want to, similar to what Jordan was talking about before, work up to but stay below that capacity line and almost like push the limits on it, right? How much can we fit in our glass while leaving an ounce of headroom at the top so that we are able to then recover from that, right? And the more our body learns to recover from the load we place upon it, the more efficient we will recover and we will then have to do the same amount of work and it will take up less load. Similar to how we'd increase uh, weight on an exercise at the gym, right? If we're doing squats, if we squatted 25 pounds, over time that 25 pounds would become less and less of a total load on our body. It would become easier to handle. It would become easier to recover from. We would get stronger. Same goes for capacity just on a macro level. Instead of just talking about a squat, we're talking about the accumulation of all of the things we've talked about so far as far as boxes that we have influence over, right? The functional diagnosis, the sleep, the stress, the recovery box there. We then have the work and home life. We layer on the gym work. We push up to our capacity, but allowing our body that headroom to be able to then recover and learn to recover more efficiently from that space as well. So in summation, a smart training program. Yeah, or yes. <laughs> we don't want to say a smart training program is the, the, the we're, you're listening to this podcast probably because you are involved with health and fitness. Right. And yeah, I should, probably should have copied out of that. Yeah, but, but, but a smart training program that is provided by an expert coach and a smart one at that, like I'm, I'm going to keep kind of, I'm, we're biased, right? But I'm going to keep plugging us because we've been asked by physical therapists and doctors and chiropractors and everybody else in our area to please never stop doing what you're doing because we cannot send these people to anywhere else. And these conversations that we're having with our members are also conversations that are not being had by anybody else, like doctors or anybody else that can kind of help them understand this part of it. Like we've already had people tell us like, wow, I've never thought about it like this. Like this makes so much more sense. And why? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wow, a personal trainer, quote unquote, or a fitness coach is telling me about this. Right. Like, this kind of seems like it's a bigger level thing. It is, but this is how we coach here at Unity Fitness. And this is how we expect coaches around the world to live up to their coaching and not be kind of pieces of poop and keep being the serial killer or the dumb knucklehead blockhead on the on the movie. Like we right. want to change the name and change the way this is all being done. Anyway, off that rant, the uh, the smart training program, what Emily just said, allows you to continue to adapt and get to your results and not le letting the life that you were already living prior to coming in here with the smart training program continue to overrun your life and have these problems. Like we are trying to take... You're, uh, most people are probably coming in with a six ounce glass, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Maybe an eight ounce glass. Right. Our first thing is to try to take some liquid out of that by helping with your functional diagnosis and your stress, your recovery, uh, your nutrition and sleep. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to take, we're probably trying to take liquid out right away. Definitely. We it's can, definitely we, a more short term, yes. easily done thing is to take some liquid out. Yes. So we try to do that first with our 30 point movement screen and then how we then program you and get you going. Like you're still putting work into there, you're still doing work, but it's work that it's basically green lit for you to do. And then what happens rather quickly is obviously we can kind of vacuum some of that liquid out. We can then move the glass up to the eight to 10 to 12 ounces. 
and then we can start adding some stuff back in and we kind of work with it and we keep growing. Mm-hmm. That's essentially, yeah. the analogy works like that. Absolutely. That's how we try to do it. Shrink right. the water, take the water out first, then grow the glass. Yep, absolutely. Smart and training. It can, yeah, it can happen simultaneously, but recognizing, kind of taking that water out, you'll notice more of a difference right away. And that's where it'll allow you the space to be able to grow your glass and raise your capacity. Yes, and it can happen quickly. It can mm-hmm. happen efficiently, um, and sometimes it just somebody just needs to have some of their liquid dumped out or taken out to even move. Like they're so overflown, over overflowing, that they they don't even realize it. And we just take some out and then they grow. Like right. it's that fast. And then all of a sudden results happen. They start feeling better, and the rest is magic, history, definitely all the good stuff. Definitely. That's load versus capacity. Yeah. Check out that link on this because it's Emily did a phenomenal job on it. And this is what we use for our members here too. It's a 13 minute video, approximately. Um, it is great content that you're adding into this. And this has only been a 35-ish minute, six-ish minute episode. So mm-hmm. typically ours are like 50. You just Tap saved your 13 on. every minute. Yep, just go right over to it. It's a YouTube link, enjoy it. And that'll hopefully make more sense. And if you have questions, message us, let us know. We're here to help. Definitely, definitely. I think that about wraps up load versus capacity. We will uh, thank you guys, as always, very much for listening. We very much appreciate it. As Jordan said, check out that YouTube link uh, for a little bit more detail and to see the graph uh, in action. Otherwise, we will uh, catch you next week in Episode 9. Sounds good, guys. We can't wait to see you then. Cheers. Bye, everybody.